myself a Lincoln Got me plotting, got me plotting, got me thinking, got me thinking How can I come up and get myself a Lincoln? I'm a Continental, Cotton, Continental I'm a Continental, Cotton, Continental I'm a Continental, Cotton, Continental I'm a Continental Hey, this is Tony Boss Bowling coming to you from the Lincoln Attic Podcast Hey, hey, it's Jason ODB, a.k.a. The Lincoln Addict, here with episode 9. Appreciate all those uh, out there that have tuned in, have subscribed to both the podcast and the YouTube channel. Certainly appreciate that. As I mentioned, didn't make you guys wait as long for episode 9. Kind of get in the groove here with this podcast. In two weeks from this Friday, we'll post episode 10. And uh, I'll tell you guys a little bit more about that here in the next few minutes. Now, this episode and this podcast is brought to you by the fine people over at Devious Customs, including Jeff Davey and his entire team. If you're looking for custom parts or various uh, products just to kind of upgrade your Lincoln, visit DeviousCustoms.com. And order today. Make sure you tell Jeff that Lincoln Attic Podcast sent you. One awesome thing that they have, whether your car is more of a stock appearance or custom, he does offer a full exhaust system and stainless steel. And that's just one example of what the team has to offer over there. Also, CC Cycle Wheels, also known as Colorado Custom Wheels. Michael and the team over there are producing the best and baddest billet aluminum wheels in the world. If you're looking to upgrade your car uh, to a Lincoln replica style wheel, get with Michael and the team. You can reach out to him via Facebook or Instagram or cccyclewheels.com. The number is 714-441-2498. And his email address is listed on each of the posts on Instagram. It's pretty simple emails at coloradocustom.com. So give them a follow if you can on Facebook or Instagram and let them know Lincoln Attic Podcast sent you. Oh, by the way, if you want a custom one-off wheel, they can make those as well. Hit them up. Okay, the last episode featured John Lyman from Stinkin' Lincoln Parts and really big shout out to him. He's a really good guy. He is always taking care of Lincoln owners from east to west in terms of parts He's got a big uh, following. He's been doing this a long time, and hopefully you guys enjoyed that episode. Now, if you're a new listener, go back. I highly uh, suggest this podcast is going on now for several months, and you can go back and listen uh, to episodes one through nine. You can do that through the Apple Podcasts app on your iPad or iPhone, if you will. You can also download Podbean. Now, Podbean is who hosts the podcast for me. And that means with the Podbean app, whether you're on Android or iOS, you can typically go back to the very beginning since, again, they are the host of the podcast. You can also leave comments within the application or app, and uh, I'll read those, give it a thumbs up, or respond back when I can. So on this episode, we feature Pat Tian from Canada. Now, many of you guys will know Pat's name. He has been in the Lincoln Forum for some time. We'll hit upon that. He's also uh, a real big, just general advocate for these cars, and he helps folks on social media through like Facebook. And then he's also on Instagram. So we'll give out his information during the interview. Highly suggest that you follow Pat. He doesn't um, post as much on Instagram, but he does on Facebook through some of the, the groups, including Lincoln Addict. Facebook group. So good dude. We're going to discuss various topics, including how he personally worked with Champion Radiators for their all new product offering. Now this product offering 
is really going to range from 61 to 65. I think with a few little mods, the radiators would fit on 66, 67 as well. But you'll see how he's kind of spearheaded or how he spearheaded that. And then, oh, by the way, how he's working on another part that many of us Lincoln owners really need. And I still can't believe that they are not reproduced. So he's working with a company, and you'll hear a little bit about that uh, in the upcoming interview. Now, Lincoln Life updates are brought to you by Steel Rubber. If you ever need new weather stripping for your car, do not settle on the what I call imposters, right? There's a couple of companies out there that are trying to do what Steel does, and Steel is the best in the business. So visit Steel, S-T-E-E-L-E, rubber.com. Uh, it's simple, right there on the left-hand side. You're going, you're going to enter in your year. Make, model, and style vehicle. So if it's a convertible or a sedan, and you can order the parts right there. You can also get a free catalog that is specific to your uh, vehicle. That's year, make, and model, and style specific. Makes it really super easy. If you've listened to the past, you know that I always talk about creating a spreadsheet, and that is uh, an easy way to, to kind of simplify things and make sure that you're ordering what you actually need for your car. Now, speaking of steel rubber, they uh, you want to make sure that you join their email list. And you can do that on their website. They just blasted out an email early June with two new product offerings for, you guessed it, Lincoln's. So they now have the upper back panel and finish panel weather strip. You need two of these for your car if both of yours are bad. Now, uh, the part number is listed as 70-396685. And when you go on, for instance, if you have a, this is specific for 6465, if you go onto their website and you enter the information, as I mentioned, that upper back panel and finish panel weather strip will be listed. Uh, you'll see that in the offering for the vehicle. Also, there is a bullet point that says two strips are required per vehicle. This replaces the factory part, and uh, it's it's really good quality. So I'll be doing later this year some different installs for both Instagram and YouTube. I'll record those, edit those, and show you guys just how easy it is to install some of these awesome products that they offer. The, lug the trunk luggage compartment weather strip is part number 70-3878-84. Now, this piece, at first glance, you're thinking, man, you know, it's $260.80. I need one of them. I thought that they already made these. This is specific to uh, these, your cars, and the trunk weather strip is designed from the original part uh, for superior fitment. The seal mounts around the full perimeter of the trunk directly to the body. It's 163 inches plus the molded ends, and it is like a glue-on style, which they, they provide the glue as well uh, with the uh, product. It glues and screws directly to the body as it's indicated there in the .com listing. So go out there. It's pretty cool. It's not often that companies, again, as I've reiterated in the past, get behind these cars that kind of a, have a cult following of course, you know, since the Entourage TV show on HBO, I think that's kind of propelled these cars into the next generation. Now, there's still a lot of awesome original cars out there, and I love seeing those as well. But there's no doubt that uh, the Lincolns are, as we always say, as Tony always says, on the rise. And it's great, again, again to see companies get behind and offer good products, superior products, rather, uh, for these vehicles that we all really uh, like. Okay, the next update is at Autoblog. They had tweeted out that the 2020 Lincoln Corsair, Corsair revealed with baby aviator look at NYIAS. So the, the hyperlink there will take you over to autoblog.com. Pretty cool website. I visited yeah, here and there. And... Uh, it says it, so. The subtitle was "It gets a high performance engine not available on the Escape." And when I look at the car, or the SUV crossover, whatever you want to call it, looks pretty awesome, man. I really like the grill. I've never been a fan of these kind of. 
you know, crossovers, which is listed here. It says the new crossover takes place of the also escape base MKC. So I do like that they're moving away. Some people have joked about moving away from the alphabet titles of these different cars. It was always confusing to me. But, you know, when I look at it, they've got a lot of photos listed here. Pretty cool. You know, I, I don't necessarily, um, you know, think that it's a bad look at all. I think it really plays into where the type of vehicles that people want. My wife drives one of, I think it was the first Ford car that we ever purchased, was a 2017 Ford Explorer. It uh, is, you know, it has the bucket seats in the back, and it has a lot of the cool features that she really wanted. But I look at something like this and say, hey, from a little bit higher end standpoint, this is a pretty cool vehicle. I would venture to say that it would kind of keep up with, you know, maybe pulling someone over that's going to be like, hey, maybe I'll buy, a, you know, a Range Rover or something like that. When you look at this from the outside and inside, it really looks like, you know, it has a lot of class in this thing. So looking forward to uh, seeing these things driving around. It, it does say that they, the other engine announced was a 2.3 liter turbocharged inline four, making 280 horsepower and 300 uh, foot pounds or pound feet of torque. The engine isn't available on the Escape, and it comes standard with all-wheel drive. So pretty cool. Wanted to share that. Noticed that on Twitter. If you are a Twitter follower, or, or excuse me, if you're a Twitter user, you can follow us at Lincoln Addict on there. I try to get in there and tweet out a little bit. A lot of it is our Instagram uh, uh, posts. So if you find yourself not on Instagram and you still want to kind of follow along and you're on Twitter, Make sure you follow us, and then that way you'll get a chance to see those updates. Our Instagram posts also batch over to Facebook, so you can follow us at Lincoln Addict there. And um, we have a pretty good following there. You know, a lot of engagement typically on the posts, whether it be the purist-type cars or, you know, some of the custom ones, which we uh, post a lot of. All right. Lastly, the Lincoln Continental Broker uh, so a couple of updates. We basically have in Tarpon Springs here, we have a 63 convertible, a reddish color, reddish maroon. Car is pretty much flawless. And it's going for a nice price of 40000 Now we've had some interest on it. And I'm hoping that in the next few weeks or maybe month or so that I can tell you guys that it's sold. For anybody that's got the budget, it's definitely a car that's super nice. And you can get in it, turnkey, air condition is ice cold. The top works flawlessly. The windows work. Everything is great. Uh, it also has 64, 65 hubcaps and wheels on it. So the the new owner basically upgraded from the aftermarket wheels that the uh, other guy that owned it put on the car. So he didn't still have those. So now it has 64, 65 hubcaps and wheels that means you're up to the 15-inch wheel, which is kind of nice. Now, there's still a 67 sedan that we're selling uh, for a gentleman, really good dude. The 67 sedan is black. It's coming in at a $15,000 price point, and it's pretty much original except for the respray. If you're looking to get into a 66-67 uh, style sedan, which are very similar, then this 67 is it. There's uh, probably a little bit of maintenance that you'll have to do overall, mainly to the air condition, and you'll be cruising in no time, whether you look to leave it stock or bag it or customize it in any other way. This is a great foundation. There's no rust under the car. It's a solid car, and the chrome and stainless looks really nice on it. All right. Lastly, we've got a friend that we've been helping sell a 67 full custom car for. Now, this one you may have seen on eBay. We were asking a little over 60000 The owner is willing to take less, okay? So he has been very clear that if you want to make an offer, he will consider all offers. Now, I would tell anybody, listen, you're not going to lowball, super lowball someone, especially with a car like this, and expect for them to accept the offer. So I would say reasonable offers... You can email us, lincolncontinentalbroker at gmail.com. If you're inquiring about purchasing a car or you're looking for a specific year, make, and model, let me know. That email I keep specific for trying to either locate cars for folks or sell cars for individuals. 
You can also click the link right in my Instagram bio at Lincoln Addict. Uh, tap on email there, and it will pull you right up to uh, emailing Lincoln Continental Broker at gmail.com. So here's one for you. Now, I did not grow up. I think this movie was a little bit before my time. Not trying to, uh, you know, put a particular age on myself, but Animal House is obviously a cult classic. I've seen the movie before, and my pops, rest in peace, uh, nicknamed Papa Smurf, he had pointed out to me several years back, and for whatever reason, when I was younger and I saw the movie, I just didn't remember this, but there is a 64 Lincoln Continental sedan in the movie. The famous photo or screenshot from the movie is the car sitting in front of the house with some other kind of junkers out front, and uh, the car's uh, you know, obviously weighted down. Now, someone mentioned here that the car had uh, belonged to Kent Flounder Dorfman, uh, older brother Fred, who is lending it to them in the movie. The other Delta frat boys make Kent take them out in it. The car ends up getting smashed up. Then, for the final parade scene, the car is transformed into the Deathmobile. So, uh, I'll have to go back and watch the movie. It's been a long time since I've seen it. Obviously, I know it is a cult classic. And that movie came out in 1978. And for those scoring at home, that was the year that I was born. So a little bit before my time, but I do know the movie. And I do know that uh, it is beloved, of course. Rest in peace to John Belushi. Okay, last few things, and then we'll roll into the interview with Pat. So my 1964 Lincoln Continental Project Smugglers Blues, that is a nod to the Glenn Fry song from the Miami Vice era. And love this car. I, every day I look at it, I'm just like, what can I do? So I've had some good progress on it since episode eight. So I told you guys a little bit about the cam shaft woes. The third cam did arrive. It was packaged much better in a pretty big brown uh, tube. So one of the round tubes, pretty thick cardboard. Inside it, they had packed at the bottom several things of brown uh, packing material. Smashed that down in there, and then they took the white flimsy-ass box that had the camshaft in it. They put that right down the middle. Then they took more brown packing paper, stuffed it in there, like two big chunks of that, and then they put the other end of the tube on and taped it up really, really good. So basically, the camshaft was kind of right in the middle of that big brown tube, and it was a success. I was super excited uh, to, to, to hopefully receive one that wasn't broken. Of course, I did record that as well because what would have the chances have been a third one in a row? They wouldn't have never believed me. So I did record it, and luckily I was able to delete the video because I no longer needed it. So that's good. I did drop that off at Tony's uh, shop over at uh, Boss Bowling Industries. Now, they did... They, they were kind of in the works of other 18-wheeler motors that they were building, so... I kind of was like put on the side, which rightfully so, because they needed more parts. And they kind of steadily been working on it. And then they had a little bit of a vacation. So they're kind of getting back into the swing of things. Hoping soon that uh, the motor will be wrapped up. Then once you know I get the Devious Customs kit, I'll be able to install the, the motor back in to the car. Now, it's important. I do want to note this. If anybody's going to eventually airbag their car, which I know that's not for everyone. If you go with a Devious Customs kit, which I highly suggest, you can get the transmission crossmember. Now, the transmission crossmember will bring the transmission up just a hair so the car will sit a little bit lower. But as Tony mentioned to me a while back, because he installed one of these on his car, there's also these two spacers that go on the motor mounts before you install the motor. And it's a lot easier to put those in when the motor's out and then you drop the motor down versus if you were, you know, looking to install that, it's not too hard. You got to jack the motor up a little bit once you loosen the motor mounts and you have to slide those things in there. But in my case, since my car is totally blown apart, the motor's being rebuilt, so on and so forth with new motor mounts, you name it. At this point, it's going to be super simple to drop the spacers in then drop the motor in, and then I can begin finishing that assembly of anything that I don't bolt onto the motor before it goes back in the car. Whether that be you know, the intake manifold, kind of 
deciding whether I'm going to bolt that on before or after I set the motor back down. You know, we'll see. But there's a lot of uh, parts I still have to kind of put back on the motor once I get it back. Just looking forward to that next step. This was one small step for Project Smugglers Blues. One giant leap for the overall uh, project. A little spinoff there of the JFK quote, of course. But I did order through John Cashman the entire Lincoln convertible upgrade uh, to the hydraulic hoses, the new pump, the cylinders, and the solenoids. You can go to convertiblelincolns.com and order those parts. You can also reach out to John directly. The key is you need to know which year car you have, of course. And I think the main thing, the lines are a little bit different uh, in each of those years. But you can order those parts, and when those parts came, I kind of sat on them a few days. And before you know it, I was like, all right, I'm ready to work on the trunk. Had buttoned up some other things that I had planned to work on and you know, was kind of had in the works. And I said to myself, all right, my buddy, he always tells me, man, don't start the next thing until you finish this thing, right? So what I ended up doing was I made a day where I dedicated two, three hours to looking in the trunk, taking some photos, a little bit of video, starting to kind of plot out what I was going to do. And that resulted in me going, okay, what I'm going to, what I'm going to, where I'm going to start at is I'm going to start basically from where the lines go from the back of the pump and the solenoid through the very tail end of the car, right? So right up behind where the, the tail lights, or not the tail lights, but the um, when the deck lid opens or the deck lid's up, I basically worked on those hoses that go along the back of the car first. So I ended up kind of loosening up the hoses, trying to capture any of the leftover ATF fluid when we tried to bleed the system last year. And uh, just took my time took out all of the little uh, clamps that hold the lines, the hydraulic lines. And with the video that I'm going to put together, instead of covering it step-by-step here, audio-wise, I'll cover it in the video the best I can. So you'll get a chance to kind of see how I work through it. It's, It's something that does take time. And if you're not someone that likes to work on cars or, you know, in the trunk of your car, cutting things and, you know, uh, you know, running these hoses and that type of thing, then it may not be the job for you. And that's why you call someone like John Cashman at convertiblelincolns.com because John will come on site, depending on where his travels are taking him, and he'll do all that for you. And because he's been doing this for, give or take, 40 years, nearly 40 years, he could probably do it with a blindfold on. But it was a good amount of work. So like the first day, I worked on it a good bit. Then the next day, I worked on it a couple hours. And what resulted there was when I went to take off the two solenoids that are together over on the left side, one of those had a stud, has one stud that holds it, and the stud was spinning. So then I had to pull that whole panel forward a little bit, drill it out, go up to the store, Ace Hardware, and then get another bolt to put in there to kind of be able to snug that thing back down. You know, first, the key was getting it off. Then, obviously, put the new one on. You got to put the new bolt in, and boom. So I think it'll make a little bit more sense on something like that, seeing a visual. So I would highly encourage go out on YouTube, search Lincoln Addict, and subscribe. I've seen the subscribers kind of coming in, and I appreciate that. And I'll keep going with the videos as long as you guys enjoy them, like them, comment, so on and so forth. But after, you know, several hours each day, I was able to complete everything. The only thing that's left is to bleed the system. So I'm going to tackle that probably in the next couple weeks. We're going to be, you know, going to the beach this weekend and whatnot, so... Not going to really have a chance to work on the car for several days. And then once I get back into the uh, swing of things, I will, of course, jump back in, you know, finishing all that. And again, that's one more thing off the list. You know, once this motor comes back, I'm not going to have to say, okay, now I got to work on the convertible. You know, it's one thing at a time on these cars, as I always tell people. All right. So I did drop off a few more parts for powder coat. If you've ever done powder coating, it's like just when you think, 
you're finished. Then there's like, oh yeah, I forgot that part. And one of those parts was the throttle linkage. So mine was pretty nasty. I do not have a sandblaster at my house. And oftentimes just sandblasting something and shooting it with a little bit of black paint is night and day difference. You get all that nasty, just sludge or you know whatever off the part by cleaning it, then sandblasting it. What I ended up doing was it's probably only going to cost 20 bucks, $25 to sandblast and powder coat in that wrinkle or mini text of finish. So what I'm going to do is have them powder coat that. And then if you guys are familiar with the radiators, which we'll talk to Pat here shortly, basically on the cars, you have your upper radiator panel, which is that little metal piece that bolts to the front of the car and then the top of the radiator. Then there's also one on the bottom. So those were needing to be you know, sandblasted and coated or painted. So I am going to have those powder coated as well. Hopefully, once those three pieces are finished, I'm done for a while. Uh, I've done a lot of powder coating on this car, and uh, I just want to take a break from having to go down there, drop off more parts, wait a couple weeks, and pick the stuff up. So we'll see, and uh, hopefully once the car starts going back together, I'll share some of those photos of how good everything looks. All right, I did speak with Barnett, and I may have mentioned this on the last episode, but uh, Barnett is good people. They are kind of a, I'll call it a high-end shop that builds really, really high-end stuff for these Mel Motors and, and just different Ford engines. If you go on Instagram at, uh, or on Facebook, it's Barnett with one N, two T's. So B-A-R-N-E-T-T, high performance. You will see that they are a uh, machine shop or building Michigan muscle machine shop. They do custom engine building. They are one of the only places that I know of anywhere around that really basically builds high-performance Mel Motors. So one thing that they offer is an MSD ignition or I should say distributor for these cars. You can get with them. It's also listed on their website. It's a little pricey, right? So it's not as cheap as going to Summit and just buying one from them, but it's not a regular product from what I understand that MSD offers. So you go out there, if you're looking to, to, to maybe add a little bit high performance, you want to get rid of the points in the distributor, or you don't want to go with you know some of the, the upgraded electronic ignitions that you can go with. Some people love it. Some people swear by it. Some people hate them. I know Tony's had a few challenges with those Petronics systems on his cars. And I said, you know what? My distributor was pretty nasty, started to clean it up. I'm like, man, as much time and money that I'm going to have in this car, might as well just go with the best, and I'm going to go with that MSD product that they offer exclusively. So hit up Barnett if you're looking to kind of go that route. If you don't like the – I think it's a red cap. You can always paint it, I'm sure, but uh, good stuff. Looking forward to uh, sending out those this week. That way we'll get a few of those back, and then we'll be ready to rock and roll. The other update that I have is I did drop off my original alternator. I had always planned to run, you know, basically a high output alternator. Now, Tony on his 65 Red Sled, from what he's told me, he has a 140 amp that he had built. And I would think that, I mean, hey, that's a lot. I mean, that's more than double, I think, than what the factory was. I think the factory was around 60. But Tony has ran into challenges like when he has his compressors on his headlights on, everything going on the car. He added a little bit of a, a small electric fan for now for additional cooling. But when he has everything going, he, he could tell the car is kind of uh, straining. So when I went to the alternator shop that I've used for a while now, I had them, I said, look, what's the biggest you can build? And they said, well, we can make you a 250 amp. And I was like, sold. The price was fair. They painted the casing black, and it's a one-wire alternator. So I'll be able to easily upgrade this, get rid of the old nasty stuff, and I'll be super happy. It's really overkill, but for something like that, I'd rather overkill it and potentially never have an issue with the you know charging aspect, you know the alternator side of it, for maybe the rest of the car's existence. So fingers crossed. That's going to go awesome. I did pick that up. 
And then I think the last update was I did install PST steering. So, you know, that's a really superior product. I think it stands for performance suspension technology, but overall the steering on my old car was super sloppy. The the center link is typically bad in these cars. And I said to myself, again, the stuff was filthy, nasty. I was like, why not just go with all new stuff? And that's what I did. So with the motor being out in the car, obviously it's a lot easier to install that. But uh, the car is going to hopefully drive awesome once I get it finished. So what's next? I'm going to remove the voltage regulator. No longer need that. It's pretty simple. You can unplug it. Uh, Pat, who's our guest on this episode, he actually has a pretty cool, uh, really easy to follow thread on the LincolnForum.net. And uh, you have to do a little bit of searching or if you're interested in the article, I can post it in our Facebook page. But he kind of talks about when he upgraded to the 140, he simply unplugged the voltage regulator. And then he also talks about, oh, by the way, at that point, he updated from the amp meter to the volt meter. Now, I'm not going to tell you you have to do it, but in my case, I'm going to have this huge alternator, and I'm like, there's no point for me to keep the amp gauge, right? Now, I do have a separate amp gauge that I had rebuilt because you got to do that in the 6465s. If you want to do it for probably the best price around, you can go through Blair Farmer. You could take out your existing amp gauge, and you can ship it to him. If you're interested in that, you can email Blair, it's LincolnMan57.BF, which stands for Blair Farmer, at gmail.com. Let him know what you're needing, and uh, he will take care of you. But I made the decision, I'm going to follow what Pat did. I had already purchased the boat gauge from, yes, boat gauge, from Amazon for $15. And I think he said it took him, I don't know, just a little while. You do have to kind of cut up, so... Follow me here. You have to cut up your existing amp gauge a little bit to, to convert it over to the gauge that he used. He also has a video on YouTube showing how good it works. The needle on the boat gauge, you'd be hard-pressed to tell the difference between it and the other gauges in there once you have it installed. So at this point, it's like, look, that was something on my list. I wanted to upgrade the charging system, and I'm not just going to simply throw on another alternator. I am going to kind of take it to the level that Pat did, and I'll be updating that here over the next, probably, I'd say by the end of June, I'll I'll get all that done. So we'll see. All right. Episode nine will be published, if all goes well, two weeks from this Friday. It's going to feature steel rubber, so they'll come on to talk about how awesome their products are. Of course, they're made in America, and they continue to support the Lincoln community by putting out new products. So I would say, hey, go out, support Steel, buy their products, buy American. You could probably find stuff sometimes cheaper, but it's not always made in the great US of A. So get out there, support them, uh, get on their email list on their website. That way you get the notifications like I do. You'll, uh, you'll really appreciate that. And then order a catalog for your car, start a spreadsheet, Make a list, check it twice, order from Steel Rubber. They're great people. Okay, with that being said, we're going to roll into Pat's interview, and then the episode is concluded. So thanks for listening. Subscribe on YouTube and via your favorite podcast app. Take care. Enjoy the weekend. Get out there. Have fun. Cruise those Lincolns, and stay on the rise. Take care, y'all. Peace. Hey, hey, and as I mentioned, we've got a good friend of ours here. Pat and Pat, am I saying it right? It's Tehan. Tehan, yeah. Tehan. Okay, we got Pat Tehan. Many of you from the LincolnForum.net or the different various groups on Facebook and whatnot will know Pat by name. He's been helping people for a long time. But Pat, just wanted to welcome you to the Lincoln Attic Podcast, man. Hey, Jason. Thanks for having me. No problem. Thanks for all your help over the years, man. I've always. You know, I know Tony as well. We've reached out to you many times saying, hey, you know, how did you do this? And you've got a cool 64 Lincoln. And, uh, you know, it's it's awesome to have a friend like you that we can always rely upon when, when we're stuck and we're like, hey, what do we do here? Right on. So what we wanted to do is, you know, I mentioned earlier in the podcast that one of the updates from a Lincoln Life standpoint is 
we have this new option when it comes to radiators. And I'm really excited about it. And one of my good friends, Blair Farmer, he had received one in his shop a couple weeks ago. He had a customer that was following the opportunity to go and purchase one, and he did. And it showed up, and I got a chance to see it firsthand. I messaged you, but I wanted, um, you know, before we jump into the Champion Radiator and kind of, you know, how you helped to make all that happen, I just wanted to give you an opportunity, maybe kind of uh, for the listeners, you just explain your, you know, uh, give a little bit of information about yourself, Pat. Sure. I've always been a really hands on kind of person. I've always been, uh, you know, the kid growing up, tearing things apart, seeing how things work, putting things back together. So I got a really good, I don't know, a really good memory, I guess, for like shop manuals and stuff like that. Like the things, I don't know, shop manuals, like my Bible, they fascinate me. I, mm-hmm. I read them cover to cover and a lot of the things just kind of stick in my head. So a lot of times I'll see people asking questions, you know, and I know exactly, you know, where I've seen it and how to kind of dig it up. And yeah, so it's, uh, it's, you know, it's been good. I, I love the cars and I love the hobby and I love these cars as far back as I can remember. I'm sitting here at my desk. I got three die-cast ones sitting right in front of me as I'm sitting here on the phone talking to you. So I've always wanted one of the cars, and then, you know, that uh, it became really popular in media and whatnot over the last 10 years or so, and I knew that if I didn't get one now, then, you know, I was never going to get one. So went out, pursued one. I found one actually just outside of Detroit. Um, it, or like the original owner had passed away, his daughter inherited it and sat in the daughter's garage for 12 years. And then uh, she finally decided to let it go. So I picked it up in 2015, dragged it home, wasn't running. The timing chain had skipped and it, you know, it was, it was kind of a wreck, but they're not a wreck. It was in great shape, but I mean, it didn't run and brakes and vacuum and hydraulic and everything was in shambles. So kind of before I sort of discovered any of the Facebook groups or the Lincoln Farmer or anything like that, I, you know, found a shop manual, kind of figured out how to kind of do it on my own and, as time went on, you know, sort of found the different groups and, you know, found some places where I was doing things different than other people and, you know, better ways people, other people are doing things and quickly, you know, found my niche, I guess, in it. And, yeah, I, I love the cars. I love the people. I love the hobby. You know, I love the camaraderie. So, it's uh, yeah, it's it's great. I, I love these cars. That's great, man. I appreciate you sharing some information about yourself. And you've got, you know, your 64, awesome color. It's a sedan. Tell us a little bit about just the car before we talk about the radiator, uh, you know, the Champion radiators, a little bit more detail. Yeah, so like I mentioned, I got it essentially, I'm essentially the second owner. Um, and when I got it, actually, the, the daughter gave me the phone number of the mechanic who had maintained the car for the last 50 years. So I, I gave the guy a shout and he kind of knew the entire history of the car and he, he said that uh, he lives like a couple of blocks away from where the daughter, you know, was basically housing the car. And he, the mechanic loved the car, so he didn't like seeing the car, you know, kind of sitting and decaying. So he would come over and pick the car up and drive around the block once or twice a year and try and put 50 miles on it a year. And he said every time he had it out, he would always have people like waving and giving them a thumbs up and wanting to go for rides in it. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of love for these cars. So the it's uh, I guess the car was sideswiped around 1980, so it was repainted around 1980, and they did a pretty decent job with the body job on it. And you know there was the paint was dirty when I got it, so we spent a lot of time cutting and buffing and waxing. But I mean it's spotless. There's no dents in it. There's no rust on it or nothing like that. So whoever did the body job, you know, 40 almost 40 years ago, did a pretty great job and pretty happy with the. You know, with the car and the color, and of course, when I when I first started looking for a Lincoln, you know, I wanted a black Lincoln, just like everybody wants a black Lincoln. And then, you know, once I kind of got home and the the color kind of grew on me, and you know, now you know it's it's not a black Lincoln now, right? So <laughs> I love it. I love the car and I love the color and I love the culture. Definitely, our friend Tony, he always starts those. You know, we started the he started the on the rise and sixty fives on the rise and not a black Lincoln hashtag. So we always love you know joking about that. It's one of my favorite colors, though. Like, even Mob Steel had painted one of their coupes in a similar color. Do you happen to know the actual color name of your car? Uh, the color name of mine is actually called Princeton Gray. Uh, and it's funny. So, in the dark, it looks like it's like a silvery gray, and then you get it out in the blue or out in the sunlight, and it's like a blue. And it, it really changes shades of blue depending on, you know, whether it's direct sun or indirect sun or in the shade. It's a. Uh, it's a pretty cool color, and it's really close to the original color. Uh, in the in some of the spots, you know, when you get poking around, you find kind of behind the door cards and whatnot where it wasn't painted, and it's really close 
to the original color, the color that was repainted. So, and I, I love it. And a lot of people that see the car love it. You know, when I first got the car, I was like, oh, I'm going to paint it black. Everyone's like, oh, don't paint it black, you know. So, <laughs> but the blue is the blue is really growing on me, and I love it. And when I take it to car shows, especially when there's other Lincolns, you know, I'm the only the only blue Lincoln or Princeton gray, I guess, as it were. So, yeah, yeah, I love it. Very nice, man. Now, there's another guy on Instagram. You may know him. I know Canada's a big country, of course, but his name his name is Frank, and he's Dad's 64 Continental, and I really love his car as well. It's a 64 sedan, and it reminds me a little bit of your car too. Right on. I'm not familiar with that one, but I have seen a couple of others um, that were my color. It's funny. Sometimes I'll be on Instagram, right, and following just the hashtag Lincoln Continental and a couple of other hashtags, and the car will pop up, and I swear it was mine. And then you get looking, it's like, I don't remember taking this photo, or I don't recognize that background, so it must not be mine. So it's it's cool to see other cars that are out there, you know, that same color. Definitely, man. It's a cool color. And I know, as I mentioned a little bit ago, over the years in the Lincoln forums, I, I think in there your your name is Bernski, right? B U R N S K I. Yeah, yeah. So that handle goes way back to when I was like fourteen years old or fifteen years old, and I was one of the very first people in my town to actually have a CD burner. So I was the guy <laughs> that everybody went to to make music CDs for. <laughs> so my nickname back then became Burn. I was the Burn King. So then it just kind of turned into Bernski. So nice. and then it just stuck. So I've had that name and I've had that name for, you know, 25 years or more. Awesome, dude. I one of my good friends John, he had a CD burner before anybody I knew and I was like, "Man, so I always wondered what that meant, but I could tell you and, and the listeners as well that if you, you know, a lot of guys think, "Ah, the forums, you know, now we got Facebook, but the linkedforum.net is a great I guess the word I'll use like repository for all kinds of information. And, you know, Pat over the years has really helped a lot of people. I know Pat, even you mentioned the skipping the timing. I remember reading your thread and you were kind of like at wit's end trying to kind of figure out this little issue. And it ended up being something small, but in the end of the day, you really stuck with it and you were able to figure out that issue. Yeah, I just had to gut it out. I think what happened, if I recall, my timing chain had skipped, but it only had skipped one tooth, so it was running rough, but it wasn't it wasn't running you know, it wasn't running very well, but it would fire up. But I think what actually happened was the the mechanic I bought the car off of when he when he was uh trying to figure out why the timing was so rough, he moved the distributor by one tooth trying to compensate for the off timing. So then once I fixed the timing and then my distributor was out, so it was kind of uh, you know, two wrongs making a right almost so once i kind of got it figured out and it's been running like a champ ever since so i mean it's uh these engines are bulletproof engines i know you know some people like to pull them out i like to keep them original so i mean it's a they're great engines you, you take care of them and they'll take care of you i couldn't agree more and i remember you must have been ecstatic you know figuring out something small like that i would say overall I know, you know, even myself, a lot of people come to me and they ask me a lot of questions. Like, I've learned a lot over the years. I'm the first to tell people I don't know at all. And I'm the type of person, probably a lot like you, that if there's an issue that I'm having, I love to uncover it and try to understand it. Or when someone explained the timing to me years ago, I wanted to not just be like, oh, put it at top dead center and do this. Like, I want to understand it, right? So it's very cool. And to your point, it, it's turned into an awesome hobby that a lot of us enjoy. Exactly. I love figuring out why things don't work. I love a challenge. So I love tearing things apart and seeing what's inside of things. And I mean, sometimes you got to break things to fix things, right? But I mean, I always, you know, I, I don't give up. So if there's, you know, if there's a, a light at the end of the tunnel, I'll find it. I like that, Pat. So fast forwarding to this, this main topic, this hot topic in the Lincoln world right now, I remember reading a thread of yours a couple years ago. And, you know, I had saved it. I had, you know, picked up my 64 Lincoln back in, uh, give or take, about December 2017. And I started, you know, immediately, like a lot of people, stacking parts. And I had read one of your threads where, you know, you had went to one of the big-name retailers and you had bought a Champion Radiator. And, you know, you're like, well, dude, you could get this, this, and this. And before you know it, 
you know, you can install a radiator and it'll work perfectly fine. So I had went out and bought some parts and that was the plan. And then I got into mine a little bit deeper than, you know, as usual things you may not fast. Right. So I started working on it more and more, but then before I knew it, you were like, well, Hey, listen, I'm working back with this big company. So tell us a little bit about, you know, and when I say big company, you were working back with them to try to make a direct replacement, you know, bolt in replacement. So Tell us a little bit about how the relationship manifested with Champion and kind of what you did to try to bring this product to market. Sure. So it actually goes all the way back to October of 2017. I got digging back my emails and my messages. Um, Obviously, there's a need for, you know, a a direct bolt-in radiator. And I know there are universal options. A lot of people are using, you know, rads out of Mustang. There are some one-off options. There's a lot of rad companies that will make you a rad. But there wasn't anybody who was mass-producing a a direct bolt-in option, you know, at a realistic retail price, right? There's a couple that are out there, but they were just expensive for the average guy. Um, so I, I basically started out, I went on, you know, Amazon, Jag Summit, kind of looked at who the different manufacturers are, got poking around on all their different websites, seeing who made what. I actually found three or four different radiator companies who kind of specialize in classic cars and, and especially in big Fords and stuff like that in the 60s and, and whatnot. Uh, I reached out to all of those companies, um, you know, said that I had, uh, I had you know, uh, specs and schematics and I'd be really interested in uh, working with any of them to see if anybody was interested in, uh, you know, working with us to make a, a direct bolt-in option. Um, a week or two later, I get an email back from uh, Champion, and then uh, they said they were actually interested in building uh, building a RAD. Um, they needed a little more information uh, about it before they could, you know, make any sort of commitment or anything like that. A uh, couple of things that they wanted to know um, before they were interested in making it, is they needed to know what years kind of crossed over. So I spent a lot of time going through the multi-part catalogs, uh, going through uh, the shop manuals, trying to find where the different styles are, uh, where they kind of changed. They needed all the little bits of information about how does the rad uh, shroud mount, how does the rad mount into the, into the cradle, like bits of information like that. Uh, once they kind of seen that there was enough years, I don't know that necessarily like building rads that are like one-off years, but if it's, you know, a rad that'll fit five or seven years kind of span is kind of what they're more interested in doing. Went back to them, kind of gave them the information. They said, yeah, we're excited to build a rad. They're like, we need some cores um, to uh, so they can bring them in to their R&D. They can kind of measure them up, right, and try to sort of figure out what the exact specs are and so, mm-hmm. so on and such. So, I uh, I kind of reached out to some of the guys in the in the the Suicide Slabs Facebook group as well as on the LinkedIn forum. I had a couple of different people expressed, uh, you know, they'd be willing to help us out. Mm-hmm. Um, so I uh, connected those guys with uh, the guys at Champion. I actually had a great results. I think I had probably five out of the seven years uh, dropped off to the guys at uh, Champion. Mm-hmm. Um, Champion was kind of looking for a couple of in between years that they couldn't find, but they sort of figured, um, like I was able to get them photos. There were some people who were, you know, across the country, they couldn't really drop one off. They would send me photos with measurements and stuff like that. And I forwarded those on to champion. And that was enough for them to kind of know, um, what spans what year. So they put the, uh, the, the rads kind of went into queue. They got the cores. They kind of went into their queue to their, uh, R and D department. Uh, it took several months for their R&D to get to. I think like they have they have a lot of demand, right? And they have a lot of backlog, and they they're obviously spending their times on you know the big dollar things, right? Like Camaros and Mustangs are always probably going to get you know preference over us. So mm-hmm. uh, those things kind of you know it finally came. <laughs> they yes. finally got it uh, uh, built or not built drawn, and then once they uh, they confirmed the drawings would probably fit. They sent it out. They had to have a prototype made and the prototype came back. It was probably nine to 12 months ago when the prototype finally came back, um, tracked down. They needed somebody in the SoCal area to either pick up the rad and install it or come to the shop and then they would install it. Uh, so I tracked down, there was a, there was a member in the slabs group that was uh, willing to do that. So had him go install it. They had a look, 
everything was good. Uh, like, there's going to be a little bit of differences, right? Like, there's obviously some bolt hole locations are a little bit different, but I think those are things that they just kind of chalk up to, you know, that's up to the user to kind of drill your holes and put it in the right place. But the actual rad and the mountain and everything like that is is uh, pretty close. So they gave the green light for production. Um, and then, uh, and uh, of course, like, you know, mass producing is going to be done in, you know, overseas or whatnot. So mm-hmm. they gave the green light for that to happen. Uh, and then there was some uh, delays uh, with the mass producing. I think originally, the original timeline I was given was about a year or so, start to finish. And I know it took like over a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think they did have some delays with like the, the aluminum tariffs from China coming into the United States. That hit right as they were starting to ramp up production. So I think they actually halted production uh, to kind of see whether or not the aluminum tariffs went away. They didn't. So then they ramped back up production, but... As I understand it, you know, their stocks were down, so they had to, you know, restock their inventory of their big sellers, you know, your Mustang Camaro and so on and such. So then finally, once the, the Lincoln ones got back into production, um, they landed. Uh, he started con- they started contacting me again back in March, said, hey, they're coming. Um, I sort of set up a pre-order. Uh, I know there was a lot of people that were itching. They wanted their the rads as soon as they landed to show up. Mm-hmm. So they, uh, you know, they set that all up. Yeah, and then, uh, yeah, they became available just the start of this month. So you can uh, get them off Champion's website. I imagine they're probably going to list them on, like, Jags and Amazon's website in the near future. But, yeah, they're available there now. So, and, I mean, I, I didn't get anything out of this. Like, I don't work for Champion. I'm not getting anything from Champion. Like, I do this because I love the car. I love the culture. And I, I love helping people. And I, I like seeing people, you know, get the right equipment for their car, right? So, I mean, it's, it's yeah, it. The, the, very yeah. cool. Yeah, no, no, it's awesome. So the, the next thing I've kind of been working on with, uh, yeah. Yep, go ahead. The next thing I've been kind of working on with Champion is they actually contacted me a couple of weeks ago, and they said, do I think there would be interest uh, with the Lincoln community for a shroud and fan uh, combination? So I said, well, let me find out. So I put it out to the to the Suicide Slaps group, and there's a lot of people interested in the, in the shrouds. So I let them know. So they're uh, let Champion know. So they're actually producing them now. I don't think the shrouds are something that are produced overseas. I think they're just like laser cut and you know, and bent in in house. So it, it sounds to me like the shrouds are probably going to be available in the next couple of weeks. Uh, they're looking at a couple of different fan options. Uh, I think they've got some. Uh, they've got standard fans, and they're also going to offer like a higher output fan uh, for the guys there in the places that are really hot, or the places that have, or the guys that have like air conditioning. So. Um, you know, just a little extra cooling available uh, for them. Yeah, man, it's it's awesome to see that you stepped up and you said, hey, how can I help the community, to your point? And when you go on championradiators.com, you can actually even search the keyword Lincoln. And, we'll, you know, if you click on Lincoln Continental, it'll take you right to it. It's the Technically, they have it listed as the 61 through 65 to your point, it might even work for the 6667, right, with just slight modification. But for those, you know, 61 through 65s, including the 61, which they have listed here, as many of us know, I actually have a 61 spare radiator, and that 61 version had the training core on the passenger side, which was the hot side. And then, excuse me, they even mentioned, you know, this was a poor design, which was fixed the following year in 62. So, to me, it's it's awesome that a big company like Champion Radiators was willing to step up and produce a part for a car, arguably, that we all love. But when you look at the production numbers, Pat, whether it's a sedan, convertible, or the two and a half years that they had the coupes, there's just really not a lot of those out there. No, that's right. Exactly. So with, the, uh, with that 61 to 65 Rad, in the early, so this is one of the things that's funny that I figured out or I found out through, you know, the kind of the, the research mm-hmm. process of, uh, you know, preparing the data for Champion was that the early, the, the first six months or so of production of the Continentals, they actually had a power steering cooler that was built into the, uh, into the RAD. So they, it was around July of 61 that Lincoln decided that was a bad idea and they flipped to the, uh, to the trans cooler on the cool side of the trans, uh, which is what they continued all the way through. So the anybody that has a 61 that was produced prior to July of 61, they just have to eliminate their uh, power steering cooler and then re- reroute their uh, trans cooler lines to the other side to hook up. Uh, as far as the 66 and 67, the tran- or the rad itself is really similar. Mm-hmm. Uh, the 66 and 7 
rad is a little bit taller, which means you can use the 61 to 65. It's just that it's a little bit shorter in the engine bay. Um, so you do have to kind of, you don't, I don't think you necessarily have to make new mounts, but you may just have to bend your mounts that are there. And I've also heard, I've not verified, but have heard through some of the people that have bought uh, the rad for a 66 and 7, is that the trans uh, mounts, or not the trans mounts, like the, the, the nipples that thread into the trans mm-hmm. or into the rad are a different size. So it's just a matter of getting the correct size uh, threaded nipples and, you know, adapting it to your trans cooler lines. But the, the actual rad itself bolts in, the hoses are in the right place, the rad hoses are the right size. Uh, you know, and just, you know, adjusting your, your brackets at the top. So I think it's still going to be probably the very best option out there um, for the guys with the 66 and 7. So 68 went to like a rad cap on the rad. Um, so that it doesn't work for that because this doesn't have the, the cap on the rad, right? It's on the expansion tank. The, uh, but they do make a 70 or 71 uh, uh, rad that does fit, and I have seen other people that have used even just like the universal rads that, uh, that'll fit. So the 68 and ups are become a little more of a typical uh, setup because they kind of do away with that uh, expansion tank and go to just a regular overflow tank. Yeah, absolutely. And they even list here, for instance, you know, they, they suggest the two electric fans recommended and uh, even the, the shroud. Now, on your application, on your 64, before this radiator was finished, obviously going back a few years, you had used like a universal or I would say like a Mustang-type radiator. And uh, you didn't you use like a 3300 CFM? I'm trying to remember the fan, and that's worked really well for you. Yeah, I did. So I, I ended up doing the 79 to 93 Mustang radiator because uh, I, I needed a rad a year and a half ago before these ones ever – uh, you know, became available, and I ended up using a Flexalite 180, which is a 3300 CFM uh, fan and shroud combo. Which it's an awesome fan and shroud combo. Just as a warning to anybody, it's it's huge. So I actually had to move my whole rad uh, and my condenser forward about two inches so that I could have enough room between the fan and the water pump because the the fan is about four and a half inches thick. So it'll get into the water pump if you're not uh, if you're not able to move your rad forward. Yeah, it makes sense. And also, right, keep me honest here, anytime you're going to get into that type of setup, you got to really upgrade your alternator. You cannot use the factory stuff. It just doesn't produce enough. No, definitely not. These fans, the, the fan that I'm running pulls, I believe, 35 amps, and the factory alternator is between 40 and 50 amps. So that, that fan alone pulls pretty much everything that alternator has to give. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So it's kind of like a piece of the puzzle if you're looking for a new radiator or you're having overheating challenges, I know in my 64, Tony and I got it running really well. It was overheating. My friends immediately knew. They said, look, Jason, I can bet your bottom dollar that the entire lower portion of your radiator is probably just nasty sludge, you know, sediment is what they use, the right, the, that word. So, right. and, you know, after I started kind of peeling back the onion and doing all the lake work that I did, and I pulled that radiator out. I was like, man, this thing's got to be full of just, you know, sediment because it was heavy as hell and they're already heavy. So at the end of the day, I tell people that, yeah. you know, make a list. If it's, you know, if there's something on your list and it's like, boom, let me get a radiator. Maybe you're going to do a shroud. Maybe you're going to keep the factory shroud and keep the, you know, mechanical uh, fan, you know, whatever you decide, just, you know, know that usually one thing leads to another on these cars and, if you're going to go with a bigger CFM fan, you got to upgrade your alternator and so on and so forth. And there's a few other things you'll end up doing. Exactly. So another thing that's a good pointer too is that if you're going to swap out your copper and brass rad, your old factory one, go to aluminum, you need to make sure you clean out your uh, engine first. Uh, there's that pressed stone uh, stuff you put into your – you drain your rad, you fill it with just water and there's two bottles of pressed stone stuff. Run it up good and hot. It'll break up a lot of the sludge and sediment that's inside of the engine block, knock it all loose drain it, fill it up with water again, run it again, drain it, and then try and run a hose through your block, get as much of it out. So because you don't want any of that old sludge or any of that old copper and brass frag that's going to be left over in the block getting stuck inside of your new uh, aluminum radiator. Yeah, so very, another good thing to do, too, is while you got your cooling system apart and drained, pull your water pump off and take out those little mini thermostats that are behind the water pump in the block. So those things are, they were, they were an idea that, 
Ford had back in the 60s to make it a little bit warmer in the cabin quicker for people when they drive their cars in the winter, but none of us do that anymore. Get rid of those thermostats, take care of your engine, take care of your rad, take care of your cooling system. Yeah, it'll lead to a lot of issues, and whether it's John Cashman or Blair Farmer here in the Tampa Bay area, they will all tell you the same thing. Those mini thermostats will cause the downfall, of course, right? So you want to take those out, and I forget if, Pat, you were involved with one of the discussions on the Lincoln Forum. There was someone, and it might have been you, keep me honest, that it had fallen inside the block. You have to be very careful taking those things out because they're a pain. And someone had to get a camera and put it down in there to try to, you know, fish that thing out. Yeah, I mine actually fell in, but I was able to get mine out with pliers. But I do remember the conversation you're talking about. Somebody's that little spring can thing fell inside, and they were able to get one of those flexible, grippy tool things with a little boroscope and fish it out. So you you want to make sure that comes out. You don't leave it in there, and and they'll end up plugging up a water jacket on you. Yeah, most definitely. And you can kind of see, like on my car, where it was like, well, man, the motor mounts, I got to do those. Then it was like, well, I got to do the freeze plugs. Well, I got to do this. And then before you know it, I mean, you could do a lot of this with the motor in there. Don't get us wrong. But in my case, I was like, man, I need to do this and this and 50 other things. So that was one reason I decided to go ahead and pull the motor and do a full rebuild. But typically, to your point, you don't have to do that. You just need to know what you're kind of getting into because one thing does, of course, lead to another once you get down to the the bare bones and you know you take out the thermostats and you know at that point you're probably going to want to do a water pump and you start doing all that stuff hey they they are bulletproof motors you just got to kind of you know fix the the usual suspects so to speak exactly exactly so cool so again i would tell everybody championradiators.com to pat's point earlier i, I would foresee in the um I would anticipate in the foreseeable future, like a Jags or Summit, you know, carrying the radiator. What blew my mind, Pat, was it's two forty four ninety eight right now for I think the U.S. price. It, uh, typical price, at least on their site, is two fifty four ninety eight. So what I you know kind of noticed there is it was even cheaper than the radiator I bought from Jags for the Mustang. So you know, depending on what you decide to do, to Pat's point earlier, you can eliminate the expansion tank if you go with like the Mustang radiator or if you're looking to retain that factory look you might want to just go with the bolt-in for 244.98 as of right now and then of course they do have additional add-ons which are the small fans thermostat relay kit the polished overflow tank which is about 40 bucks I also added on my order the 48 inch polished stainless steel hose kit it comes with the four end caps so you can make two hoses. That's for the transmission cooler. And then uh, you can have the radiator polished if you'd like. If you're really looking to, to, to you know, for the show look, and it's $70 there. So uh, very cool, Pat. Man, I appreciate your time and kind of sitting down with us a few minutes to talk about your contribution to this whole Lincoln life that many of us live. For sure, man. I can tell you, too, I got another project I'm kind of cooking up now that the radiators are kind of done. I've actually been in contact with a couple of the uh, big uh, filter companies. Um, and what I'm working on is getting uh, replacement transmission filters made for the uh, 61 to 65 cruise matics. So I've already been talking with a couple of the big companies like Wix, Fram, Purolator, a couple of others, uh, trying to get those guys interested and on board and build us a filter. So it's, it's another spot where we're, where we're short. So like to fill those holes. Interesting. And correct me if I'm wrong. I think what I've heard over the years is like m most of the times you just have to like clean the filter the best you can. That's it. Yeah. Nobody makes a replacement filter for that transmission. It, it's, it's crazy. You can get the gaskets, you can get the bands, you can get the, the, the plates and everything, discs and everything inside of them, but you can't get a filter. So the only option is to you either have to clean your filter out or you got to get a junkyard filter or you have to send yours out. Uh, there's a company, I think, in like New York or New Jersey or something like that, and they'll recover the Dacron on top of it. But nobody actually produces the filter. So I'm, uh, I've, been, I've been working the last couple of months trying to get, uh, get somebody interested in making one of those for us. So we'll see what happens. Wow, man. So, dude, man, that's great to hear that. We love to hear Lincoln's on the rise, of course, not the downfall, as we always say. Uh, Pat, why don't you give out your information here uh, on Instagram or your the spelling of your name 
that way, if anybody's looking to connect with you, uh, if you know, most of the people know you at least on Facebook. But if they're looking to kind of get in contact with you, if they had any additional questions, sure. Yeah, I'm on Instagram. Uh, my handle is uh, Pat Tian, all one word: P A T T E A H A N. Uh, that's it. I'm on Instagram. I don't post a whole lot, but uh, I do respond to messages right away. I, you know, I, I just don't post a lot. I'm, I'm more of a looker than a shower, I guess. But I spend a lot of time on Facebook. I'm on the Lincoln Forum. Same thing. I, I spend a lot of time just perusing there. But, I mean, if I get private messages on there, I, re- I reply, you know, right away. I, I just don't really post a lot in those places. Uh, but I'm there. So hit me up. Follow me on Instagram. And uh, check us out on Facebook, Suicide Slabs. I'm also the, running the Canadian Suicide Slabs group. So if you're up in Canada and you're not uh, with us, look us up and uh, get you sorted out. Absolutely, Pat. Well, dude, man, thank you for helping, as I mentioned at the beginning, helping some of us over the years. We could really have you back on in the near future. I think we could talk a little bit about you know, the AMP gauge, which is another whole topic we could talk about. You know, you have a really cool write-up in the Lincoln Forum about how to bypass it or to really essentially upgrade to like a voltmeter. So I think, you know, again, you you laid the foundation earlier that you're always kind of looking to enhance the cars, take it to the next level. You've showed that you've done that with the big companies, but you've also done some cool write-ups that I think will be beneficial to a lot of people out there that may not have read those. For sure. Well, thanks for having me on the show, Jason. Absolutely, Pat. Stay under rise, as Tony and I would say, and uh, take care up there in Canada. Stay warm, brother. I know we're rolling into the summer now. All right, buddy. You too. Take care, Pat. Mm -hmm.